now that we're on episode three and I've finally uh, figured out the settings on my microphone, um, you know, we might be ready to, to kind of do this thing. I think it's time to do it. I think it's time to do this thing. So I think it's time to get down on that damn thing. Yeah, I think so. And uh, so we're, we're going into the, the nation has been shook by recent news that James Gandolfini uh, liked Green Day and would yeah. listen to Green Day uh, in his trailer before recording the Soprano scenes or filming Soprano scenes. Yeah. Uh, according to Michael Imperioli in a, in a shocking Instagram comment, <laughs> um, James Gandolfini referred to as Jim listened to the Green Day Dookie vinyl in his room. He for real liked Green Day. I think that's how he put it. I think he said he for real liked Green Day. <laughs> I think he's, I think he's a, I'm not kidding. He really liked Green Day. <laughs> for anybody who's doubting it, that a man in his uh, 40s uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s liked Green Day. No. Now let's um this is gonna be some good content here because I wanna look at the Dookie track list. I wanna look at the Dookie vinyl pressing and see if Michael Imperioli was pulling my leg. I mean, it's got all the hits. It's got the it's so I mean it's not like it's not like crazy that he would listen to it, I guess. No, it's uh, not like it's not like insane that like uh like a celebrity um would have like uh, an album that was a huge like multi-platinum success like in the mid 90s um it's not crazy to have it it i guess it's also not that crazy that he would have like a vinyl copy of it like an lp um i'm looking here and it seems like most of them that were done at the release of the album were promo but it, it does seem like on discogs it does seem like by the time we hit later in 94, there was an actual pressing of it. So there's no pressing info, of course. I don't, at least I don't think there will be if I click on it. But see, it's just, uh, it's like, <laughs> it's like I can see him listening to Dookie and, and filming like season one, since that's, you know, kind of like the most lighthearted that Sopranos gets. But then, like, I don't know. I, I just, I have this idea in my head that he uh you know he's he's listening to dookie in his trailer and then he comes out and listen and uh films the um his his coma dream scenes talking to the fish talking to the fish or um something we might be doing we might be talking we might, fishes. We might be talking fishes um see that's a sopranos reference and we didn't even know it <laughs> Artie gets I'm trying sick. to remember. Uh, he ate the muscles. Uh, uh, Big Pussy had a little bit of diarrhea. That's it. <laughs> and that's our review of the season two finale. I'm trying to remember what his uh, what his coma character was. The guy that was um, at like a convention for customer service. Yeah, yeah. So it's like. 
<laughs> James Gandolfini like listening to Longview and then going to do the Kevin Finnerty scenes. <laughs> um, okay, I've got some info on Green Day vinyl, on Dookie vinyl specifically. It seems like anything pressed in the 90s would have been a promotional copy or a German pressing on red vinyl, according to a comment from a guy from 2012 on Discogs. Okay, so did they not do they not do a a vinyl pressing in the late nineties and early two thousands? Two thousand eight, which is pretty much the end. Actually, what's uh? (laughs) But also, you know, James Gandolfini was making millions of dollars per episode. It's like not crazy that he went out and bought like an original promotional copy of Dookie on vinyl. I think that we're the only people talking about this and this needs to be a much bigger story we can't be the only ones wanting to get the scoop on this i think we gotta call i just i just want to to call christopher <laughs> i just want to appreciate the idea i just get, i love get, the idea of it very much get chrissy on the line um what if we what if we um like sent a very because he's like he kind of interacts with fans michael imperioli but oh, yeah, we just does. sent like a very heartfelt email we were like we're just doing a podcast we wanted to talk a little bit about james gandolfini we just want you know 10 minutes of your time and he's like okay i'll do it and he you know he calls us on zoom from like a private number and we're just like okay remember that comment on instagram <laughs> just what was it tell us more I think he'd probably hang up on us. Uh, yeah, probably. Um, he's a cool guy, though. He, I saw today he wants to he wants to do instructional meditation videos. Whoa, like David Lynch Foundation stuff. I don't know if it's necessarily TM, but some kind of meditation. And he was saying that he wanted to do live uh, meditation sessions, and it's like Sopranos yeah. fans are not going to let that happen peacefully. <laughs> <laughs> No, God, I couldn't imagine trying to do that. God, no. Um, in other news, though, we've got um, – I just want to talk a little bit about this before we get into stuff. Um, Disney is now going to be offering uh, Mulan to stream with a subscription to Disney Plus for $29.99. Yeah, $30. $30 to watch Plus. the live-action Mulan movie. Yep, from from your own home. Plus to the chagrin of everyone. Yeah. And to Disney. They're not, they're just like refusing to take a bath on this movie. They absolutely are getting their money regardless of what happens. Even though I'm sure day one, it's, uh, you know, it's going to be everywhere. (laughs) It's going to, like, that's what I don't, like, yeah, the people who don't know how to use their computer are going to pay for it. People who are just like, I'll pay $30 for it. But um, I don't know. I think that it's going to be a loss regardless for them. I mean, sorry. It sucks. You know, sorry, guys. Your billion-dollar company is going to lose a couple more million dollars during this Oops. worldwide pandemic that everyone else is struggling in. Um but I actually I saw something interesting today. This might be breaking news overall, or maybe I maybe it's already known and I just have never realized it before. But I saw a commercial during uh, I was watching the NBA. I was watching the Bucks lose. And there was a commercial for that new X Men game, X Men movie, 
and it's coming out in the, it says in theaters August twenty eighth. What? So that movie is going to be in theaters at the end of August twenty twenty. In America? In uh, I was watching it on ESPN. <laughs> is the name of that movie the New Mutants? Yeah, New Mutants. Um, because I know that some like you know other countries other are countries are yeah, other countries. releases because they are allowed to do that because uh, they can you know handle themselves responsibly yeah so this movie was originally supposed to come out april 13th 2018 i don't give a shit by the way just saying i don't give a shit about x-men i don't <laughs> i don't watch these movies i've i've seen two marvel movies my whole life i've seen x and then i've seen the x-men movie from 2000 that's what I, I watched it at my parents' house. My babysitter brought it over. It was mm-hmm. cool. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah, that's right. I was getting babysat in the year 2000. No big deal. Uh, <laughs> April 13th, 2018. And then it was supposed to come out February 2019. Then April. No, then August 2019. Then April 2020. And then Disney removed it from their schedule due to COVID. And now they are putting it out August 28th. And they're, I just, I find they're decisions to be so bizarre if they're putting movies in theaters i don't know i wonder if they're doing i mean maybe they are doing vod oh i just i just found out why boone josh boone the director of the movie also directed the film the fault in our stars uh he said earlier this month no wait late last month that this movie's contracts guaranteed the film a theatrical release it had to be released in theaters apparently (laughs) preventing it from being released on disney plus or hulu so i wonder if it's getting a limited release on the 28th and then going to streaming within 30 days because it's like i i know that people love marvel i know x-men is different from marvel when you look at it and from like a fan like a cultural perspective because like a lot of people like like captain america and shit but i don't know anybody who's like fucking loved x-men uh oh they're out there give me give me another wolverine oh yeah they're, oh, of course they're out there. <laughs> they're 100 percent out there these there's millions there's millions of them but like compared to like uh you know a parent who's like i watched infinity war <laughs> or something like they're casual people i feel like yeah, most right. people are like huge on x-men stuff especially something like this that's not even from what i know little i know about it it's not like wolverine storm cyclops yeah i don't even know if it's going to be included in that cinematic universe i guess in that canon i haven't said those words in a very long time is it canon bro hi welcome to is it canon bro (laughs) um so yeah but uh i i just i don't i don't see that movie faring well (laughs) for 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 them at all I don't. I don't see it doing well. I, I don't know any. I mean, you're the only person I know that I could think of that might be interested in it because you've seen. Yeah, I've I've seen all those movies, and I'll probably end up seeing them. I'm not too vested in them. I kind of just see them to see them. Um, you know, uh, I really hated Endgame. Uh, <laughs> really disliked that movie. Um, oh man! So I don't know. It might have just kind of killed that. It just kind of killed it for me. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, like, you know, like we said, we, we don't really give you know a shit too much about these movies. I mean, I don't, I don't know anything <laughs> about the production or the actors who are in them. You know, because um, like I know, like the the director of uh, the writer, 
um, is directing, you know, uh, the Eternals, I think. And that's really cool because she made a really good movie. Um, so, you know, I, hopefully it works out for like the people who, you know, actually made the movie, but yeah, it's just yeah, interesting to see where, where this kind of stuff is going. Um, I hope everyone had fun. I hope everyone enjoyed it. I hope everyone got paid well and treated nicely. Uh, but, you know, as Disney typically does. Right, of course. Yeah, uh, known throughout the industry to always treat people with respect, dignity, honor. And just their people have outstanding their business practices. Artistic vision, and yeah, definitely fair pay for all their employees, right? Um, anyway, yeah, a movie that's been delayed for over two years, probably, you know, I get it. Cut the loss, let it go. I'll be interested to see how much money it makes in that first weekend. Yeah, yeah I'm definitely interested to see how it plays out. But one more, one, one more Disney thing because they also have apparently stopped production on all 4K UHD physical releases. Oh, really? And that is including the entire Disney catalog and also the entire Fox Searchlight catalog. Um, you know, since they uh, acquired them. <laughs> and there are so also like basically yeah, yeah no movies are coming out on 4k uhd uh, uh, well well you know they're also um warner had big departmental carts uh the past few days too i'm i know that that has affected their physical media um departments as well so um so does this mean in like i don't even know i don't know what the time frame is on that sort of thing but like I don't know, in nine to 12 months or like even less, there's just going to be a low in physical media, like mainstream physical media. Yeah, probably. Things just aren't going to be, like there'll be a few gaps. Yeah, probably. Um, but, you know, like just another, just another reason for you to maybe think about buying, you know, your art, your movies, your entertainment when you get the chance because – these companies are doing everything they can to streamline it and just, you know, um, because they don't care about the art. They just care about the money. So, and that's um, why you should pay $30 to watch Mulan. <laughs> give them that money. Let give $30 them the money so they can put, give them that money so they can put Mulan on a 4k UHD Blu-ray disc for me with 3d components and features. And I'm going to watch it on my, 65 inch smart link television with uh hooked up to bd live with commentary from the actors 30 dollars on top of your disney plus subscription of nine dollars a month yeah 30 dollars to rent it but when mulan comes out on that 4k uhd disc it's going to be 45 dollars i'm gonna happily pay for it add it to my collection it's going to be great i can't wait but yeah, you know, start buying your media because it's it could be taken away at any time, um, and it seems to be headed down that direction. Anyway, uh, so we we're going to talk today about um, about uh, an American pickle, the new uh, HBO Max exclusive, um, starring Seth Rogen, um, directed by. Uh, Brandon Trost, which I think is his directorial debut. Um, an immigrant worker falls into a vat of pickles and is brined for 100 years. 
The brine preserves him perfectly, and when he emerges in present-day Brooklyn, he finds out that he hasn't aged a day. Um, so we got Seth Rogen um, playing, you know, both characters here. Uh, Herschel Greenbaum, the the titular, the titular American pickle man. The titular pickle. The titular pickle. Um, and also his his uh, great-grandson, uh, Ben Greenbaum. Um, I I don't know about you, but like, I liked this movie a lot more than I thought I was going to. Yeah, it was um, better than I thought it'd be. And uh, speaking of physical media, just can't wait to get that HBO Max Blu-ray. Am I right? Where they're <laughs> gonna send you a Blu-ray with everything from HBO Max on it. Um, yeah, here's yeah here's a here's a good movie that will never get a probably most likely never get a physical release in America. Um, <laughs> You're right. It's like it's, every other stream exclusive movie. <laughs> it's, it's funny though because like um we may probably will never hear of this movie again like after the month of August. Oh or, yeah. Or this movie will be like be like nominated for an Oscar just because it's a movie this year. <laughs> it has to play in a theater though, unless I know they changed their guidelines, but I think it still has to play in a theater for some point. But um yeah, I, exactly. Like, I've already seen people stop talking about this movie. I saw people talk about this movie the few days leading up to it because that's when all of the uh, sites, you know, journalists, blogs, everything start to post their stuff. Yeah, right. Like, had an interview. They did this. They did that. You know, there was that whole thing. I don't remember what show. He was on Marin, wasn't he? Wasn't Rogan on Marin? And, uh, yeah, uh, and I think he made his, his, about his real Jew- comments. Yeah. yeah, his Jewish heritage and stuff. Um, but, like... <laughs> by the by the end of this week by the end of the second week of august you're not going to be seeing anyone talking about this <laughs> it's the same thing with every other movie that goes to streaming i mean fuck like uh the only reason you've heard anyone talk about okja in the last year is because bong joon ho just won the oscar for parasite and so yeah, everyone's right. like oh you, by the way netflix we have we have one of his movies here <laughs> um, but we'll never get a Blu-ray of it. <laughs> yeah, right. um, like, fuck. I highly doubt it. Anyway, I don't know. Maybe I guess I could see like Criterion doing like uh, the Bong Joon Ho, you know, Netflix release. Yeah, I don't even know who else. I don't know who else had anything to do with that movie. I don't know what production company or who had any rights to it, other than just Netflix having the worldwide rights to it. Um, but like. Yeah. <laughs> You've you haven't heard anyone, at least I haven't. I haven't heard anyone talk about any Netflix original, Hulu original, uh, HBO original, whatever it is, Amazon original. Nothing. I've never I've never heard anyone talk about a movie that comes out on one of these streaming platforms outside right. of the month, like the like three month window before, during, and after it came out. Right. Uh, I think we. I think there's some exceptions for like the really big ones. I mean, like the Irishman and uh, Marriage Story, but even Palm Springs, uh, which was released on Hulu exclusively, I think in July, like I still, I haven't gotten around to watching it yet, but it's pretty much fallen off the, yeah, it's fallen off the discussion board. You haven't watched it. And that's the thing. Most people who haven't watched it right now will never watch it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, like you, and like you said, you know, you mentioned um, 
Irishman. That's Martin Scorsese. Again, that's a thing where like Bong Joon-ho, um, that's like right. a director who Noah Baumbach with uh, Marriage Story. Like these are things that, of course, people are going to talk about for the for a little bit longer, a little bit longer period, a little bit more time. But I mean, when's the last time you heard somebody go, "Man, I really love that movie War Machine." Wasn't Brad Pitt just great in War Machine? Or like Bird Box was so good. Yeah, like Bird Box at least had like like Bird Box had meme potential. Like Bird Box, everyone was like, "Oh, this is a fun, like we can do something with it." <laughs> a movie like War Machine or um, fuck, what was that Adam? Look, I watched this movie and I can't remember what it was. That Adam Driver movie that was on Amazon Prime about uh, oh, fuck about all the torture oh the report yeah the report a movie that came out which was decent less than a year ago i didn't hate it i didn't i didn't have any problems with it but i watched it you i'm sure you watched it i did yeah i haven't talked to a single soul i didn't even that's a movie i didn't even see discussion on like nothing i didn't see anything about (laughs) that movie anywhere uh yeah but you know this is kind of the you know the nature of that stuff i guess but um just every once in a while you kind of get something that you you know you kind of wish you know wouldn't fall off uh, you know so quickly because yeah. i mean this one particular i mean like look it's a it's a it's there are parts of it that are typical like zany seth rogan production right um yeah like when he's like when he walks in he's like come over here come over here seth i got something to show you and the other seth is like i'm pickle seth Right, <laughs> he's like it's the funniest shit I've ever seen. And he's walking around like it's just incredible. Check this out. Uh, yeah. But you know, but to be fair, you know, you have to have a pretty high intellect to. to kind yeah, of you have that. to have a pretty high IQ to understand um, American Pickle. Um, uh, I just want to mention one other thing on the streaming movie thing. It's another Adam Driver joint that you actually you're probably the only person I've talked to about this movie. Patterson movie's beautiful. There's another movie that, like, probably, honestly, that might have a physical release because that came out in the theater. Yeah, you but can that, buy it on Blu-ray. But that was an Amazon Prime movie mm-hmm. that nothing. Just yeah, I mean, it had it had some it had some critical acclaim when it came out. Um, I see people reference it, you know, here and there. Um, you know, it's a it's a Jarmish film that that I think people really like. Um, it was a Jarmish film that kind of came out in between you know his most recent films that most people i think didn't like um so i I really like that film it's beautiful it's a i think it's important um i think about watching it a lot (laughs) um his uh, his zombie movie didn't also with adam driver it just critically it just didn't perform which i didn't watch it i i haven't seen it i can't remember the name of it land of the dead land of the living the no, dead don't die. Either of those dead don't die. Yeah. Like um, but you know, American Pickle, like it. I don't. I don't want to. You know, elevate it too much. But it, it. It. It's going in a direction that I think these. You know, like the Seth Rogen kind of crew. You know, his. I don't know whatever whatever it's called, but like his kind of his, his, his crew. Yeah, his kind of crew of people that he produces movies with and. Yeah. Um, you know, they've kind of been, 
you know, they've been elevating their, their style a little bit here and there, um, kind of refining their, their comedy. And I've enjoyed the last few movies, but this one, I, this one I really liked because I think number one, I mean, he plays both characters and I can't name a single movie where I've, you know, besides like the nutty professor (laughs) where I've actually enjoyed that dynamic. Um, you know, one actor playing multiple roles. Well, what about uh, Coming to America? Or Beverly? Or yeah, not Beverly. Coming to America. I haven't seen Coming to America in a very long time. Oh, but it's another Eddie. I don't. I mean, Eddie Murphy Eddie does well. I imagine you're talking about <laughs> Eddie Murphy's version. Um, <laughs> not the one from the '60s. Uh, yeah, but you're definitely right. There hasn't been a movie. Well, I mean, obviously, everyone knows Jack and Jill. Uh, of course, Don Cachino. Al Pacino falls in love with Adam Sandler as a woman. <laughs> was that like the bit, the last big I like guy plays both? No, it wasn't. Um, legend, I think, it, I think. Legend. I was just about to say, which Tom isn't bad. Hardy movie, right? Which isn't bad. He does pretty well in that movie. Bad reviews, but I'm sure he does a good job playing the Cray Brothers. Yeah. Yes. The Cray Brothers. Last of the International. The very same very same but you know he does it he does it really good uh, or really well um he does it really good <laughs> he does it really good my favorite thing about he does that, acting good my favorite thing about that legend movie was that uh they had that poster i'm sure i sent you this they had that poster <laughs> the, the boy like two and a half star yeah. review in the middle it had it had like all the four and five star reviews and the poster is two tom hardy's and they put a two star review in between them so that it looked like it blended in with the other four and five star reviews <laughs> That's just funny. That's just clever. That's good marketing. That's great. That's that's, that's perfect. Good. Um, <laughs> uh, but you know, like I just I think I just think he he deserves Seth Rogen deserves some credit here. Like, yeah, he does. I mean, Ben Greenbaum, uh, you know, the 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 great grandson is just kind of, you know, a typical, you know, Rogen character that you'd get in in pretty much any of his other films. But him as Herschel Greenbaum, um, and Walla that performance is exaggerated in some ways like it he does really well with it um and he yeah. is able to play play off of himself pretty well and just he's able to 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 like actually bring emotional depth to this kind of silly but you know um complicated character as well and it's you know and it kind of goes it's kind of like a I feel kind of weird saying this, but it's kind of like a, a kind of like a modern folktale kind of thing, you know, and it, it kind of, it goes, you know, back and forth between, a, you know, like a, a zany kind of comedy where it's, you know, you know, that he starts selling pickles and gets the health department called on him. You know, there's right. some, just some Twitter activism humor, I guess, but then yeah. it also, but then it also <laughs> like, it also kind of like delves into like, existentialism you know involving you know what legacy means you know to future generations and you know just the importance of kind of honoring your family um because he's you know he he wakes up 100 years later and his entire family that he knew of course um has has died um but at the same time you know like his family has also lived on and he kind of there's a scene where you know Herschel is in 
uh, Ben's apartment and he's asking him where all the all the pictures are of his uh, you know of his family and yeah they're put away in a book and he kind of starts going through it and kind of going through his family's uh, you know his family's history no, I, Why do you do uh, this to me? Okay, but I, I just <laughs> Byron just Byron just sent a, a, a picture in the uh, Zoom chat that is the that mirrors the uh, the the Twin Peaks the original Twin Peaks season two finale where Dale Cooper smashes his face against the mirror and uh, sees Bob in the reflection, and it's Luigi smashing his face on the mirror. And Waluigi in the reflection. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty accurate. Um, and I just think this talks about the duality of man, uh, like of an American pickle. Um, but yeah, you see, American, it all connects. Yeah, but American pickle. You know, the first like fifteen minutes, 10, 15 minutes when he's in the old country and he's talking about his life. It's great. Uh, yeah, it's really, really good. Uh, coming to America when they uh, just like. Eddie Murphy's film come when they're coming to America uh it gets it's, it gets even better you know you really kind of see I mean it's not very long and it's a story that everyone has heard many times it's just the struggle of a, of a Jewish immigrant in uh in a new country and that's really great I think there's parts of this movie that are really really great um a lot of touching moments I guess they really the only like things I didn't like were uh I'm just, I'm sick of um, millennial or like young, like young person humor. I don't know. Not like humor from millennials, but like people punching down at millennials. And I, I know that that's probably not what they're trying to do. They're really just trying to make the characters like very, very uh, stereotypical or like, you know, just caricatures. But like the bloggers that find him. Yeah, um, right stuff like that uh like the interns the, yeah the inter like the, the interns unpaid for interns, sure yeah. the unpaid interns i mean stuff. it was it's kind of a good comment on the unpaid interns when they kind of oh yeah that's definitely that's <laughs> or herschel assumes that an unpaid intern is a slave <laughs> right yeah that's that's good stuff yeah. but just uh that that other thing with like the millennial shit and uh, not working hard enough and like hit bar cool stuff it's just like that's tired that ground's been tread so many times before yeah, just right. think of a better way to do that right i know it advances the plot but there there's there's some generally funny stuff i mean like all of herschel's narration in the first like 20 minutes mm-hmm. is is pretty is pretty like it, it you know it goes back and forth between between depth and and being genuinely genuinely funny um I really liked when the you know they're kind of having the press conference when he's first is like the you know reviewing him to the public and oh yeah that's then they ask for the for the science and he says <laughs> the scientist explains yeah the, scientist lo- the logic is good everyone is satisfied <laughs> <laughs> yeah see that's funny like they should have just done that with like a little fake montage like they have all those. Buzzfeedy articles again that more like that millennial crap garbage yeah. <laughs> uh, showing his like uprise and his downfall and all that stuff they could have just had more funny they should have kept that uh 
that funny narration going. That would have been a nice. Yeah, I thought I thought it was kind of movie. a. I thought it was kind of an odd choice that he, um, you know, that Herschel wasn't like immediately like a, like a, a worldwide sen- yeah, sensation. <laughs> um, yeah, he's but just... that, it, that it took him making the pickle stand, and people were like, "Oh man, this artisanal pickle maker," not like. Oh yeah, yeah, the guy who was preserved for a hundred years and is now <laughs> living in New York. Um, I thought that was a little weird that he wasn't recognized as that. But you know, it's 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 a weird movie, and you gotta, and like any comedy, you gotta kind of just you know go along with the suspension of of belief. And what I, everyone knows, the most unrealistic thing in this movie is when they're leaving after he picks Herschel up and he hails a cab and he tells the cabbie, "Oh, we're going to Brooklyn." <laughs> really that's where you're going that's it. <laughs> like come on i don't know I, well they seem to be like downtown manhattan i guess you could just say brooklyn like at first just... i don't know i've never <laughs> i've never gotten in a cab in new york city so i really have no idea um but um you know we live in wisconsin so <laughs> yeah what do we know um, what do we know about big city living? We're just idiots and we're just walking. we're and just cheese heads. Yeah, we just like cheese, not bagels. We don't know about that water. We're not Woody Allen, thank God. <laughs> nope, uh, just a block of cheddar cheese for dinner, please. That's all we need. And I don't like pickles, so I'm indifferent on pickles. Um, but you know, there's at the, you know, towards the end of the movie where, you know, not to give too much away, but, uh, they, they both kind of, um, they both kind of end up back in, uh, Shlopska, the, uh, you know, the, the old country. And, um, at first you have been there, you know, by himself and you kind of see him get taken in um by religious figures uh you know in the village and you kind of see him kind of have that kind of click with him you know after many many years of you know not giving too much a shit about uh you know his faith or you know his uh his family you know his heritage or whatever right um and that that was uh i thought that was really well done it was it was nice to see um but yeah, you know, I, I like this movie. I think it's um I I would like like to say that I, I want to see more of that side of Seth Rogan, but you know, it's he does kind of walk that very like a very thin line between like being genuinely enjoyable and just being flat out annoying, you know? Um <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I want to encourage him too much, but um, I liked him I, in this. <laughs> yeah, this is this is my favorite thing he's done in a while, honestly. Um, it's probably the best thing he's done. Um, maybe outside of like funny people. Um, yeah, funny people's good. That's I feel like funny people. A lot of people just fucking hated it. Yeah, uh, there was another thing. People were just not into it at all. That was another you didn't thing you like his movie with Charlie's Theron recently? Weren't you a fan of that one? It was decent. I I had you know I had some laughs at it. It wasn't great. Um, yeah. you it's know. like he's like uh, 
it's like a political consultant type thing, right? Like, uh, he's a journalist in that one who is um, kind of um, an advisor to uh, Charlize Theron's uh, presidential campaign, but also yeah. you know her uh, her love interest at the same time. Okay. See, just that's just like <laughs> that type of thing. Just is like it screams to me like centrism neoliberals yeah <laughs> like like that's the plot and like this movie straight this movie almost got there when it's um i mean it's it's parody mostly it's very over the top but like when when they're uh when when he's on twitter getting canceled and yeah, right. uh, all that stuff uh it has a funny way of like twisting it back to a more enjoyable story with uh seth rogan as ben asking a question while covering his face and talking like a Muppet. Uh, I don't <laughs> yeah. want to give too much away, but that's just, that's a really funny, ex- if you watch the film, that's a very funny uh, way to explain that scene. Yeah, I mean, just um, but like that canc- canceling st- essentially, you know, a 140-year-old immigrant. <laughs> right, yeah, it like kind of steers it back into more, more enjoyable territory, because if it had continued down that, like, PC... Yeah, maybe maybe we're maybe we're seeing like a very like a very slow radicalization of Seth Rogen. You know, maybe. Given, I mean, some yeah. some parts here and you know his kind of criticism of Israel on on WTF. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully so. Let's let's keep it going. And um, um, I'm pretty sure he uh, like he had he had some kind of <laughs> a weird tweet kind of referencing uh, some like capitalistic tendencies. Um, I believe so. Uh, or he was criticizing it anyway uh, a while ago. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I remember that being a thing. But anyway, um, an American pickle. I liked it. It's good. Um, I'd like to see more of that from him. Um, I think it's a better film than most people are going to give it credit for. Um, so uh, that's where I'm at there. Yeah, three and a half pickles. Yeah, three and a half pickles. That's what I'm saying. Good. Three and a half pickles. And uh, uh, one, one and one-fourth of them are uh, an old Jewish Seth Rogen, and then one and one-fourth of them. Or no, <laughs> I doing my, I'm doing my math wrong, I think. Anyway, fuck it. You know what I mean. One and three-fourths. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One and three-fourths of our old Jewish Seth Rogen, and the other one and three-fourths is uh, app developer Seth Rogen. <laughs> uh, so... We're making this kind of a two-parter episode because we're also going to talk about um, Byron's like uh, new uh, new obsession, his new favorite show. Yeah, it's really good. I was the only person in the world watching, <laughs> which I found out isn't even true. It's, it actually is done pretty well. Um, but it seems like no one watches it because you're the only other person I've ever talked to that's seen it. It's I don't new, know anyone else who's watching it. It's the new... Uh, almost on the verge of being a dark gritty reboot of i guess really if you compare it to what it used to be it, it kind of is a dark gritty reboot a dark reboot not gritty perry mason the, new, the hbo perry mason that just wrapped up this last weekend literally yesterday uh it's great it it looks incredible it's very it's well it's acted beautiful. um well written everyone does an incredible job uh just insane to me that hbo made a period drama thriller um set in 1920s 1930s hollywood and we're in the middle of a worldwide pandemic and like no one 
is really talking about in this show yeah. and how great it is. Um, there's This is the time where people can watch anything, and this has been right there, right for the picking. It's the whole like time. Most people are just blazing over it. Yeah, I mean, do you have any, like, I like theories as to why that might be? I mean, I, I know I have my own, but... As to why it's being ignored? Or why it's yeah. not being... Well, I mean, it, it seems like it's not being. It seems like it's not ignored because it definitely being, has a viewership. Yeah, because it got, because it got to see it did get you know a re- renewal for a second season, which yeah, you know, given its given its like kind of production problems there at the beginning and kind of the the ch- changes it had, I don't know if they were kind of going for a multi series thing. Yeah, because uh, it kind of has the format of a limited series. Um, it it absolutely does, and I was kind of thinking it would be completely limited. Um, I was a little, I was a little worried, honestly, when I was first researching Perry Mason, because I'd seen a few ads for it, and this is definitely like my shit, like Hollywood, like noiry, like kind of spooky, mm-hmm. not not scary, but a little spooky, a little spooky. spooky. I mean, it's yeah. about a a child who's murdered, so a literal baby, so it is spooky. Um, but just reading about the pre-production and everything, um, you know. This was originally supposed to be, I mean, it's got Robert Downey's name on it. He's a producer and his, his company produced it. Like it says right on there, I think Downey, I don't remember the name, but Downey Productions maybe or, Down, or Team Downey. Yeah, it's something. I think it's Team Downey. It's something like that. And uh, it's just, it, it was originally supposed to be Robert Downey Jr. playing Perry Mason. And that actually ended up falling through. Um, I don't know. I don't remember exactly when it fell through. I think maybe after maybe a few months before filming started, they announced Robert Downey Jr. wouldn't be able to do it due to his movie schedule, which seems crazy to me because the only movies Robert Downey Jr. has been in for the past decade are Marvel movies where he stands in front of a green screen. Also Doolittle. <laughs> and then Doolittle, the major flop Doolittle. Um, <laughs> major success. But... Uh, <laughs> It was announced then that I don't know how to say his last name. The actor who does end up portraying Perry Mason is it Matthew Rice? It's either Rice, Rice or Reese. Reese. I'm on his Wikipedia. Matthew Reese Evans. So, but Mr. 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 Uh, ends up playing Perry Mason, doing a fantastic job. But I honestly haven't seen him in many things. I wasn't. If you're a fan of the Americans, you probably know him from that because I think he had a starring role on that. But I never, I never caught up with that show. I watched it once in a while when I worked at a gas station because my coworker loved it. But other than that, um, but anyway, I, I, I originally thought maybe that's why HBO isn't really pushing this is because it doesn't have Robert Downey Jr. anymore. Like, it doesn't have that big star potential. As much as that guy's famous, you know, Robert Downey Jr. is probably one of the most recognizable celebrities in the world thanks to that whole Iron Man thing. Um, yeah, that stuff. <laughs> and another thing I could think was well uh, the only other the only other thought I could have was and actually I just saw a commercial today that might confirm my suspicion with the launch of HBO Max um, and, a, and streaming platforms in general performing outperforming cable right now um, I'm, I wonder if they're waiting for the big push on Perry Mason until now as, as of today it's completed and now the HBO Max is going to start being pushed. Check out the whole series, right. Perry Mason. Check out the brand new HBO series. You can watch the whole thing right now on HBO Max. And I actually saw a commercial today, again, while I was watching the Bucks lose, um, for the- Perry Mason. A quick, <laughs> a quick cut of Perry Mason scenes from almost every episode. 
Um, and it says right at the end, all episodes now on HBO yeah. Max. Yeah. What are, what are your thoughts, Brandon? I mean, I, I just kind of assume that uh, we're just like, <laughs> like, we're all, no one's, we're not strangers to how, you know, the, the territories that, you know, the, um, modern television goes to now but um to kind of start um uh, a series um in like late june you know uh in the middle of the this entire pandemic um where everyone's just kind of riddled by death and the fear of sending their kids to school <laughs> um <laughs> See, that's you, know, another... where, uh, you know where they might you know kind of contract this thing and and get yeah. sick and kind of start off this brand new television series with um you know uh dead tri- dead children uh you know kind of just uh, yeah. uh, you know in the, at least in the beginning kind of a a drunken detective you know trying to work his yeah. way around it um and then cultural significance really yeah because down and out lawyers you know yeah and this show started right at the end of june um with all the protests going on um for george floyd and like the show it's kind of about crooked cops in a way so like yeah like it might be a hard sell yeah Um, and that was even though there is there is you know uh one of the cops who does become most pertinent to the plot it is a is a black cop um and that's actually part of it as well I, I was I was really kind of concerned on how that arc was going to play out. Yeah. Until you know, it, until like towards the last couple episodes, where it did kind of um, resolve itself in a, in a in a better way with a, you know him. And just spoilers for this, I don't, I don't want to uh, for for Perry Mason here. Um, you know where yeah, where we're gonna get dr- spoiled. <laughs> consider yourself spoiled consider yourself Um, spoiled if you watch this show because man oh man is it a treat (laughs) well you know we see officer drake you know leave the force um yeah after after you know after you know kind of kind of having a brief period of thinking that he can make a difference as a police officer and leaving the force and and becoming a private detective um you know for for a, a lawyer who you know who seems to want to do genuine good in yeah, the world? Who became, who became a lawyer a week and a half? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was kind of worried about how that how that arc was going to play out, but I'm I'm uh, kind of happy that it went the way that it did. Um, instead of you know just kind of keeping him on uh, keeping him as a as a police officer. Yeah. Um, I mean this this show is just kind of it, it's it's weird because it's kind of like a. I guess I would call it, you know, like a noir procedural. Um, and you kind of, it's kind of like a hybrid procedural because you have, um, you have Perry Mason working as a private investigator um, on this case. And uh, and you're kind of just kind of going through the motions with that until it kind of, until he kind of switches into lawyer mode when he, you know, when he eventually has to. Um, yeah. And then it just kind of like shifts, you know, directly into like a, into a courtroom drama um which is where i think it really just took a really great turn um yeah like the last the last three episodes six seven and eight are just like some of the best television that i've watched uh in quite some time and that's uh that's the thing is like the whole time i'm like okay perry mason like this is something like my grandparents probably watched because it was like it was a radio show and then a television show tv movies 
and it's all about you know private investigator and lawyer Perry Mason. And the first few weeks I'm reading, I'm like, okay, so like he does become a lawyer eventually. When does that happen? And then boom, you see it happen about halfway through the series. And that just like you said, that's when it really starts to pick up. And what I'm really excited for, you know, is right at the end, the end of the show, you know, his next case comes walking through the door. And I don't think it, I don't know if that's going to be the continuation next season, but right. we at least see that we are now going to see him running Mason and Associates seeing him running a firm um with this new crew right with uh Della street and uh um uh paul drake yes. um as his associates um th- there's a you know there's a few different um subplots in the show like we have the the, the main plot obviously is you know perry mason trying to um find justice for uh charlie dodson um and emily dodson the woman who's been accused of um, kidnapping and of, you know, being the, the cause of the murder of her child. Um, but then we also have, um, you know, the side, side characters with um, Della Street. Um, we have, you know, Paul Drake's, uh, you know, kind of side thing. Um, we have, um, and the, the kind of the, the bigger uh, side plot um, was the, uh, the church Right. Um, and I'm trying to remember the name of the church. Do you, do you remember it offhand? I don't remember the name offhand, but yeah, it's a it's a church, you know, kind of they're called the Radiant Assembly. Oh, ra- of God. Yeah, Radiant Assembly of God. It's kind of like a, a revivalist, uh, uh, you know, outfit, I guess. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, speak. You know, everything you see in early televangelism. You know. Um, they're really pushing for money. They're speaking in tongues. They're healing people. There's a scene where a man in a wheelchair walks again. They're putting on Cricket. play. Yeah, honestly, is okay. I have been wondering this. Is that rickety cricket from It's Always Sunny? Is it that has actually to be. him? It looks I, exactly, I'm going to say that it is. It looks exactly like him. And I was like, there's no way that's cricket. There's just no <laughs> way. But maybe it is. Um but yeah, this this revivalist church and uh, their their big thing after you know two or three episodes is that the church is going to resurrect Charlie Dodson Easter Sunday. Um, yeah, and he'll be coming back to life, and then Emily Dodson can't be tried for murder because her son won't be dead anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, just some real bonkers stuff going yeah, it's really on just there. That's really crazy ideas. <laughs> <laughs> like, very cool. I tried to see if this was tied to any sort of um, original Perry, like any sort of Perry Mason story from the old radio oh, yeah, drama or the show. I couldn't really find anything. And I mean, that makes sense. I could see, I'm sure there's things here that are pulled from the show, from the, from the strip, from the character back then. But it seems like a pretty fresh story from what I can delve into online i could be completely wrong um but definitely a new twist on these characters um and an exciting one to boot yeah and you also have the plot of perry mason's family land uh plot of land he has out and seems like right it was kind of like a like a, a milk farm like a, like yeah, a dairy yeah. factory or not a factory but like a dairy farm an old dairy farm in the outer limits of los angeles and uh Oh, you know, airstrips being put out there. Mm-hmm. This is during the Prohibition area, Prohibition era, and uh, just fielding off, you know, getting offers left and right. It seems 
to sell his family home, to sell his land where his parents are buried. Just can't, can't bear to do that. Yeah. Um, and just again, just kind of uh, Matthew Reese in this role. It's like, I'm trying to, I, I tried to imagine um, Robert Downey Jr. doing this. Um, and while I'm sure that he, he could have, I just, yeah. I, I've, Matthew Reese, it just does like a crazy good job here. Like it's, it's just phenomenal acting on his part. Like, and I, I don't know him from anything else really. Um, right. Anything of note that I can say that I've seen him in. Um, and it's kind of cool, honestly, like, <laughs> this is very, very like childish, but like, it's cool when it's like that. Cause then like you see him, you're like, Oh, that's Perry Mason. If you were watching this show and it was Robert <laughs> Downey Jr. You'd be like, Oh, that's Robert yeah, yeah. I'm like that's like I can't. Oh, that's, like, that's Iron Man. Like you yeah. can't really, you can't remove him from that I'm, role. I'm, um, I'm curious if I'm curious if I, like I'm sure that you know RDJ will be able to kind of separate himself in film roles down the line. Like he'll be able to separate himself from Iron Iron Man. But I don't know if you can ever proof of it. Honestly, like because yeah, because Doolittle was such a shit went down. Yeah. Um, I think he what was he in? He was in one other movie, one maybe one or two other movies during his whole Iron Man run. Was he in Chef? I've never seen Chef. Was he in Chef? I don't know. <laughs> Is that like a weird movie for me to be like? I think Robert Downey Jr. was in that movie. I don't know if he was. <laughs> I mean, I know John Favreau was. But I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't that's know. John. I never saw Chef. Um, either. I've never seen Chef. Well, now Chef from South Park. I've seen him. So. Twenty fourteen Chef. Played Marvin. Oh, yeah. Other so he had that, the Sherlock Holmes movies and like due date. He was you know he had due date. Yeah, Sherlock Holmes due date. Uh and then other than that, since two thousand eight, he has only been in one, two, three. He's been in five movies since then where he doesn't play Iron Man. Yeah. And he's got a and then you know, and then he even has like he has a, another Sherlock Holmes movie coming up too. Right, um, supposedly that's been announced, correct? Yeah, so it's just kind of just going to be seeing him in these, uh, you know, recurring roles. So it's it's going to be interesting to see if he can really separate himself from that persona. And it's it's been a while since I've seen those Sherlock Holmes movies, and I I want to say that like his mannerisms and his you know kind of his quirky self confidence um, in both of those characters are are similar. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been like I said, it's been a while since I've seen Sherlock Holmes, so I don't, I don't really remember. I've never seen those. I've never seen his. They're Sherlock good. Holmes. They're good. Um, they were fun. Well, are, they know, as good as, are they as good as Holmes and Watson? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Really? No, <laughs> but I'm saying really because I didn't. See, did you see the Will Ferrell no. Johnson Riley? No, no, I didn't. But you're just you can't wait to. Yeah. I Wait should. for it to go on Black Friday, so I should watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting to get it for like two ninety nine. <laughs> but but yeah, yeah, I think um, I think that's pretty much how I feel if, if Robert Downey Jr. had been in the role, like just being distracted that it's him, and then um, yeah, just be maybe too slick and too cool. Yeah, I mean, he's got this. Matthew Reese has this very just kind of like. It, it, when you see him in this show, like he is just like worn out all the time. 
Like yeah, he's, he's, high like, he's, he's a handsome out. he's a handsome guy, but he looks like shit the entire series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Matthew Rice, good job looking like a fucking dope. <laughs> and you um, really believe that this guy's a real sack of shit? <laughs> <laughs> you watch this, you're like, yeah, that dude looks like fucking garbage. <laughs> And you don't you don't do that with Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> yeah, you see Robert Downey Jr. You think that's too good looking. Stark. He's rich. He's just too good looking. Um, but yeah, no, I think I I said this on because uh, we did mention Perry Mason on our Woman Under the Influence episode. But like he has um, it, he reminds me so much of like of Duchovny in the X Files, like just their mannerisms and their demeanor, um, just. Mm-hmm really strung out and stressed all the time, but just really kind of believing in their work and, um, and, and working hard to just kind of seek truth. Um, I just, I, I, I just am remembering like scenes where, um, you know, where you get Mulder actually angry and yelling and comparing it with uh, Matthew Reese in this, in the series. And it's very similar. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's another guy. He's like, him and the character it's it's someone who believes in what he believes in believes in exposing what everyone else like bringing people to believe exposing the truth and not giving a shit if other people think right and that's a fool or that's a what liar I, or that's what asshole. i really liked about it is that's because like in the in the finale it's about finding truth and seeking justice and he but he doesn't mean this necessarily in a um court of law in a court of law abiding by the law the the police knowing the, what the law is right because you know as you as you find out he uh he he bribes you know a juror to to keep them deadlocked <laughs> yes um, uh and he t- he even tells a juror like look i'd i'd hang this lady myself if i thought she was guilty mm-hmm. um y- you know it's it's not some kind of um, it's not some kind of superfic- superficial uh, ideology on um, that's that's typical of American courtrooms. Um, he he seems to take it personally, um, and and whatever that ends up meaning, you know, for for him. Man, what is David Duchovny doing? David Duchovny, uh, he was recording an album a few years ago. He's making. Some it music. was good. I I believe they did. Did they do two or three new seasons of the X Files? I think they did two. Because I know they did that, and what was it? A total of like thirteen seasons, fourteen seasons now. Oh, he also wrote a book. Eleven seasons, I guess. Yeah. He also wrote a book. When did he I write think a book? I might. I think I might have. Bucky fucking Dent was the name of the book. It is a curse in the name? Yeah, it was in 2016. Then he had a book before that called Holy Cow. And it looks like he had two. He actually had one in 2018. He had a book called Miss Subways, a novel. Yeah, and there's another one coming out. So, uh, I mean, I know I I remember when I picked up Bucky fucking Dent because I'm pretty sure I have a copy of that because I, I meant to read it and I never baseball, did. Baseball, it seems. Yeah, um, and I was kind of just like reading into his, you know, into his into you know criticism on his fiction. And I remember seeing some stuff that Holy Cow did pretty pretty well. I'd like yeah. to I'd like to I'd like to see a, a Duchovny revival. The last thing Duchovny did in 
uh, on camera, on camera film um, television, the Twin Peaks revival when he played Denise. Was his it's last, the last it's the last thing he's done. The last movie he was in was a drama film from 2013 called Louder Than Words, which is not a movie that I've seen, but it also stars Timothy Hutton. His Wow, crazy. His first television role was on Twin Peaks, and his most recent, his last, as of right now, is on Twin Peaks. Oh, He's, you know what? No, it, I don't. It looks like he... Yeah, it looks like he is going to have a role in the remake of The Craft. Are they doing that as a movie or a TV show? It looks like it's going to be a movie. A limited series? Oh, it is a movie. Yeah. Is he in Dune? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Buy that URL quick. Is David Duchovny in Dune.com? <laughs> or David Duchovny in Dune.com? Just David De- how much is that? Let's go to Squarespace. David Dune Coveney. Squarespace. Uh, there's a couple more things I want to mention on on Perry Mason, though. Yes. Um, uh, I just want to just just a another just shout out to um, America's favorite side uh, or sorry America's favorite character actor uh, right now, Shea Wiggum, um, who pay, who uh, plays Pete Pete Strickland. Um, Perry Mason's uh, private investigator partner uh, in the series. Um, he does a kick-ass job, dude. He's so great. He's so great in everything. Like I don't anything that he's in, he just makes it better just by showing his face and talking. Um, <laughs> like he was probably the best part of um, of Kong Skull Island, which was a movie that I really did not like. You didn't um, like Kong Skull Island. No, not really. I saw it um, with a huge, a huge uh, uh, Godzilla freak, Godzilla head, and he was just friggin' eating it up. He loved it. His name's Connor. You probably know him. <laughs> I forget. I forget that he's like really big into Godzilla. He loves Godzilla, dude. We just, stayed. We stayed through the credits of Kong Skull Island so that he could uh, hear the Godzilla roar. Yeah, I I remember him pulling out his his very old uh, um, Godzilla set DVDs, or, or maybe they might have been VHS tapes. I don't remember. Um, one time I was over at his house. Does he have the Criterion uh, Godzilla set? <laughs> he does not. He does not have that at this point in time. Maybe we should maybe we should get that for him for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he'd love to have it. Oh, yeah, sure he would. <laughs> He gave me an old Godzilla box that he has. He was like, I don't need this anymore. <laughs> Maybe that's uh, probably because he got the Criterion set. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I should, I should get it for him. The the last thing I want to talk about on on Perry Mason, on, unless you have more that you want to say, um, John Lithgow plays a is in about half of this show this season. Yes, um, he plays the original lawyer for Emily Dodson, um, and he's kind of. Um, maybe kind of like a father figure to, to Perry Mason. And so oh, def- without a doubt, I think um, that's actually right in the plot. Yeah. Um, and uh, it really, it really disappointed me. I mean, it, it, cause it was, it was a great turn for, for Perry Mason as a character, but it really disappointed me to see um, uh, John Lithgow's uh, character um, EB uh, end up killing himself about halfway through. Um, 
because it was I, I can't think of too much that I've seen John Lithgow in in the last five years where I thought like damn John Lithgow is really good at acting <laughs> you know yeah I and, uh, you know recently anyway um I feel like I haven't seen him in anything yeah since um funny people or no uh this is 40 this is 40 doesn't he play Grand, the grandfather Leslie Maybe. Mann's dad or Paul or Paul Rudd's dad he might I don't remember I know he was in um Rise of the Planet of the Apes I think yeah that's another I, I haven't seen any of those movies they're good I like them I enjoy them um but he's he's really good in the series and I I, I really hope that they somehow bring him back um because it would be just kind of is it a ghost? <laughs> yeah, it's like a ghost. Maybe it's an um, alien. Or uh, <laughs> I'm an alien, boyo. <laughs> oh man! Paul oh, Perry, didn't you know I'm an alien, boyo? Oh, that's another thing. Uh, in the last, that's dangerously Perry... close to a uh, to a uh, uh, original Homer Simpson uh, <laughs> impersonation. We're going to go have milkshakes. Come here, boy. <laughs> Um, Come on, boy. Yeah, in the last episode of Perry Mason, when they do John Lithgow impressions, that's funny. Um, oh, yeah, it was great. <laughs> uh, John Lithgow is in Bombshell. He plays Roger. You know, oh, yeah, that's right. In the fat suit. Uh, I didn't watch Bombshell, though, for obvious reasons. <laughs> uh, I, I watched it because I was trying to watch all the Oscar movies this year because I didn't have anything else to do, and it fucking sucked. I hated it. Do not watch it. <laughs> but he is in Blowout, and he's, uh, he's great in that. So watch Blowout. Yeah. Um, Everyone, please, if you haven't, please watch the 1981 film Blowout, directed by Brian De Palma, starring John Travolta. Um, and you know, while we're while we're at it, uh, just because I watched it, please watch the 1999 Michael Mann film The Insider. Uh, watch that yesterday, and uh, that's a that's a great movie. <laughs> there it is. There's our picks of the week. Um, all right, you got anything else you want to say on Perry Mason? I uh, just want to say to all the Perry freaks out there, all the Mason heads, all the Masonites, I see you, I hear you. Reese freaks. Soon. Hit me up on r slash p-m-a-s-o-n. We're going to have a good time. Mason con. Every night I take a big old sip of my uh, Advil PM liquid gel. That PM stands for Perry Mason. <laughs> Great dreams. And I do want to let everyone know that David Duchovny and Dune.com is available right now for $20 a year. Uh, so someone buy that please and get in touch with uh, with us once you have it up and running and you can host uh you know you can post the podcast on there yeah please Uh, do also please purchase david duchovny in dune.army for us for 50 (laughs) dollars a year it's like the alita army except we're the duchovny army yeah (laughs) alita army the original um But uh, oh, I also wanted to ask you. You said you watched um, four of those Al Adamson movies already. Yeah, I've watched four. If anyone, are they, are they here, like pretty short? If anyone here is a, a real freak who buys uh, super limited runs of uh, old horror movies, like I did on eBay, I bought the Al Adamson masterpiece collection box set. Uh, it's pretty much out of print right now. I think the only way you can get it at the moment is either on eBay or some have occasionally popped up. If you go on Blu-ray.com, people keep posting links whenever they find it. Someone found it on HamiltonBooks.com, but it was gone within an hour. Um, please keep trying. It's released by Severin Films. Uh, 
I didn't realize that was Severn. They are pretty. Uh, see, they're, so they're short. I guess they're short um, in length. Mm-hmm. If we're talking about the time, they're not short to watch. Uh, they, um, I'm four deep. I'm watching chronologically, and the first one's just a fucking slog. Like you, uh, it's an uncredited directorial debut from him. He was working with his father on this film that came out in 1962, I believe. Hell, uh, something in hell. Um, fuck. Let me see here. <laughs> it is called Halfway to Hell. Uh, it came out in 1960. It probably should have came out in 1940 or 1930. It's essentially, it plays like a silent film. Like, there's so so little going on. And the coolest thing is a bullwhip scene that goes on for 10 minutes. That movie was only 60 60 minutes, 67 minutes. Uh, The rest of them are pretty short. Um, The the thing that's easy with some of them, as I've learned so far, um, two of the ones I watch, I watch Psycho A Go-Go, which was a pretty honestly pretty fun film except for the uh 15 minutes of go-go dancing song scenes where nothing is going on it is a woman singing like the same verse over and over essentially just changing one or two words in the same clip of a band playing their music um but different shots of the go-go dancers butts um that movie psycho go-go and then the next one just called the fiend with the electronic brain are the same exact movie except for about 15 minutes. So if you wanted to, you could watch Psycho Gogo and then The Fiend of the Electronic Brain, and you're watching the same movie for two and a half hours except for 15 (laughs) minutes. So what I did for that one was I just skipped through and found all the new scenes with John Carradine and watched those and counted it as done. Um, And there's quite a few more to go like that. But there's, yeah, there's 31 films in this box. Oh, damn. Uh, He did did 32. One of them is listed in the Lash of Lust, I believe, filmed at Spawn Ranch when the Manson family was there. But that movie's completely lost. That's the most interesting thing here is um, a lot of these movies have either never had a release on home video or they've had really shoddy edited releases. And just uh, the sourcing on them is crazy. It comes with a pretty nice book explaining uh, production of the film, who was on the crew, um, who wrote it, what kind of distribution deals it had, who distributed it, what it was going out under. Because back then you put a movie out in the drive through cinema and it gets put out under four or five different names um, over the course of a few different years. And the most interesting thing besides reading through like, oh, this film was reconstructed from five different prints of varying deterioration levels. This was cut from a 16 millimeter internegative. This was cut from 35. This was cut from the VHS release for some scenes. Or one of them, I believe the next one I'm about to watch is cut from a uh, producer's, um, like that, like producer reel, like a, like a original cut, um, like a demo cut of the film and it was deteriorating in parts so some of the film is going to have a hue, a magenta hue to the entire thing. Um, but beyond that, uh, for his first few movies, he was working with, um, I don't know how to say his name. Is it Vilmos Zygmunt? I have no idea. He did the cinematography. He was a cinematographer. He did cinematography for The Deer Hunter for Blowout, the titular Blowout that we mentioned before, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. He worked with all those big names. Obviously, he was working with Al Adamson until he got some real recognition. But um, 
yeah, that's just, that's also super interesting is seeing the work that those guys put into some of these movies. And the other one was Laszlo Kovacs, who was the cinematographer and easy writer in Ghostbusters. Um, and even more, you know, Paper Moon, uh, Five Easy Pieces. Very nice. Yeah, I don't, hey, know, I don't, I know nothing about Al Adamson. Um, I was like, I... <laughs> let me tell you, I'm learning bit by bit every day here. Um, <laughs> this is um, kind of an impulse like this is like i knew it was coming out i knew it was a pretty uh big box set like i think beyond i mean beyond the ingmar bergman criterion set i think that it's probably from what i can tell has like the most uh the biggest collection of a director's work almost the entire thing in this yeah, point. Like most kind of comprehensive um, set. yeah like definitely definitely crazy to have almost everything in here except for one that was a completely lost film um but yeah i saw i saw it on ebay going for like three or four hundred bucks and i was oh, like shit yeah and really? i was just like yeah oh, like well being listed at that i think it's going more so for like between 250 and 350 right now but um oh, wow. someone had one up for i think 300 or best offer and i was like fuck it, I'm going to offer him like 220 bucks and see if he says anything. Because <laughs> that's like, essentially MSRP, I think, was like 225 And I got Yeah, it I remember seeing it on Blu-ray.com and just having, having like, I was interested in it just, you know, just by, you know, seeing the cover. And I um, I just saw that price tag and I was like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I got, like, I sent that guy that offer. I was like, fuck it, he's probably going to say no, whatever. But then he said yes and I was like. That happens. I was like, you know what? why not i know that you'll do that sometimes where you send someone an ebay an offer on something and you kind of just secretly hope that they reject it <laughs> that's how all mine are every offer i send i'm just like mm. how the fuck did i do that i'm like mm, like yeah i'd be happy with it. and then the thing is <laughs> this is this is kind of funny it wasn't funny when it was happening but it's kind of funny now um it was it, I, so i bought it on like july 26th it was supposed to be here by august 1st on like july 29th the guy still hadn't shipped it I was like, this dude, like, ripping me off? Am I getting fucked on this? But he had 100% feedback, and he was selling all types of releases, like Severin releases. Um, he was selling Vinegar Syndrome releases, all types of Blu-rays. His name was, like, Ooh, bless you. His name was, like, Blu-ray Boutique. So I was like, I think this is legit. Um, and then he finally shipped it, and it ended up getting lost in the mail for about four, di- for about four days there. So yeah. from, like, from, like, August 2nd till August i think nothing happened and then it got delivered on the sixth and i was like fuck yeah but honestly i was kind of like hey if it uh if it goes missing at least i'll get my money back <laughs> yeah um i've had a lot of stuff kind of disappear uh packages being you know they just kind of go off the radar for a while um but you know such as the um declining state of the post office right now yeah, unfortunately hey, yeah, I mean, I love it. I never wanted to go away, but people apparently a lot of shitheads think it should. They think it should be privatized. And- I heard. Uh, I heard Scott Ackerman's has said some bad stuff about the post office. On yeah, I me too. He says never go there. He says yeah, you should just do it all from home. He's one of these yeah. monsters. Parking lot Scott at it again, motherfucker. <laughs> God, but yeah. Um, if there's one trend I've noticed in the USPS in the last few months, it's that there's really good at their, they're still really good at their jobs they are delivering the mail every day you can't say that about other people doing their job right every day um 
And the only the only gripe I have here is it seems like Iowa is the place where mail is getting lost for a few days. Because New Jersey. I've had three Jersey packages trip. get lost in New Jersey for over a week in the past three months. Yeah, I, the just in the last so that Al Adamson box set and then something uh, from the right stuff, the right stuff international the anime uh, mm-hmm. site. I ordered a bunch of stuff back in June, and it was all back. Um, most of it was back ordered, and they do this thing where they won't ship everything until everything's ready. Right. So from June twenty third until this weekend, they didn't ship anything. Um, yeah. So I was just waiting for them to take like. 200 bucks from me <laughs> and they finally shipped everything except one thing actually they didn't ship one thing because they will sometimes cut up orders if it's like that because i had like 13 yeah. things shipped all 12 and they're right. holding the one until it shows up but that package came directly from iowa and that <laughs> sat at the post office in iowa it seemed for two or three days um, yeah and no hate on the post office we love the post office i love the usps um, but you know i love my postmaster fund the post office um, but yeah, you know, just while we're shouting out things that we've been watching recently, uh, yesterday I watched, uh, Michael Mann's the insider, um, with, uh, with, uh, Russell Crowe and, um, Al Pacino, um, and just, Ooh. just, uh, just a Does powerhouse, powerhouse performance from both of those guys. Um, what I, I, what I think is probably Russell Crowe's finest acting, um, in his what career. have you not seen uh uh the nice guys uh yeah i've seen the nice guys um that's his best that's his i don't know dude best. it's i mean it's obviously a very it's a very different role he's much more reserved here but um but you know it's about um it's a it's a very it's, it's a very you know it was made in 1999 but still a very uh pressing and and relevant uh work um now that's a sequel to Francis Ford Coppola's The Outsiders, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, probably more relevant today um, than it is, uh, than it was, you know, then just kind of about corporate interests, um, you know, and working uh, against the American people in every way. Um, where can where can I watch it? Um, so I. I had heard about this movie, like I just had seen it mentioned a couple times here and there on my Twitter and stuff. Um, and I've been trying to, because Michael Mann is a big blind spot for me. Um, so like, I, I don't think I've watched, besides recently, I don't think I had seen a Michael Mann film. So I watched Heat uh, recently. Um, you know, his kind of... His Heat, a movie that hit. I bought from you on Black Friday when you're... Yeah, you did. And then if somehow it just kind of sat... Um, <laughs> It sat in a box, um, which which was just, which is kind of depressing because I mean maybe I watched it at the perfect time because that movie is just it's just brilliant, just brilliant performance, uh, Pacino performance there, De Niro De Niro as well. Um, so you know I've just been trying to get more, trying to you know expand my knowledge on Michael Mann, and I saw some stuff about The Insider here and there, and um, I I saw that it was you can watch it free with ads on like voodoo i think oh okay um and uh which you know i i could have just watched it for free on voodoo um but i had a had a few dollars in uh in a amazon credit for whatever reason and i just bought the blu-ray um 
that's and uh, surprisingly, and I think it was kind of just like a a, a, a print on purchase kind of Blu-ray kind of thing. Oh yeah. Um, but still, yeah, but still very, um, still looked very good. Um, it's crisp. Yeah, it was great. I understand why people don't like paying full price for stuff like that. Um, but I do think it's funny when people are like, oh, you know, those print on demand discs, if you watch them too many times, they're going to get destroyed. Am I going to watch the disc a hundred times? Like, how many <laughs> times am I watching this in my lifetime? Yeah, right. Um, and also, this is a this is a movie that I think that if I would have, um, you know, and by all means, watch it on Vudu, you know, free with ads, whatever. Do it. Watch it however you can. Can I watch it on? Uh, can I watch it on Quibi? Uh, yeah, but it's a it's a it's cut down to to six minutes. <laughs> Good. From two hours and thirty seven minutes to. Get it short. Minutes. Get it on. Get it on TikTok. There is no more TikTok. Uh, we're not gonna get into that um <laughs> yeah we'll do a brick nerman episode pretty soon we could probably get him on <laughs> wait oh wait, wait hold on hold on is that how you you pronounce it brick yeah, nerman? nerman oh i've been pronouncing it brick nerman <laughs> i mean that's yeah. good too oh, he also has poop i think it's also doo-doo poopy head 420 yeah. i don't know he's got a few different names he's got like four accounts i found a few more that are him does, he, does he have a robot nerman. dog yet I don't, dude. I have not looked into that, but let's save that for his episode. We <laughs> we'll could, I, I have so much faith in the fact we could get him to do a podcast with us. We could definitely get him to do it. He would um, be probably really awkward and not want to talk. But yeah, well, let's we'll talk about it. We'll see if we can do it. <laughs> we'll get him on. Um, but anyway, you know, the outsider. Or, or, sorry, the outsider. The insider. Yeah. Um, the <laughs> um, it's just a very, a very, very good movie that I happened to watch recently um and i think it just may end up kind of um ending end, ending up as a a favorite film of mine because i definitely just feel the need to to watch it again a popcorn um, classic yeah um speaking <laughs> speaking of actually um just because we were talking about hbo stuff um hbo's limited series the outsider um which aired earlier this is year is that one a sequel to the one you watched no it's um it's a it's, it's a stephen king uh short or stephen king novel that they, they put into a series um starring ben mendelson um you should watch that it's it's great it's ben mendelson is also just kind of turning out to be one of these powerhouse actors um and he just He's such, he does such a good job in that show. Uh, Jason Bateman as well, and, and the episodes that he's in, and the episodes that he directs in, of The Outsider, he he directed a couple episodes. He's they're become just, a very they're incredible. Dude. They're incredible. Um, highly recommend. Um, <clears throat> one last thing. Um, okay, Columbo. <laughs> oh, you know, I wonder if they'll do a a a, a dark gritty Columbo reboot. If they're gonna do Perry Mason, <laughs> Perry Mason meets Columbo. Oh, that'd be great. Um, and like Perry Mason's like eighty years old. Yeah, I'm gonna curse myself Columbo's for saying like that. 60. <laughs> um, they digitally recreate Peter Falk, like the Tupac <laughs> hologram, like the fucking guy from uh, in Star Wars, whatever, the one I didn't see. Robot. Oh well, who is it that they're? Oh, like they're doing the James Dean, uh, like the CGI James Dean. Yeah, 
<laughs> Why do they need to do CGI, James? He's still alive. He played Dracula in Dracula versus Dracula. Everybody knows that. <laughs> anyway, continue. They're gonna do. They're gonna do CGI Peter Falk for the Columbo reboot. Yeah, it's gonna be real smooth. Um. Oh, but one last thing. Uh, we had recorded an episode before this uh, with a good friend of ours um, on the movie Come and See. Uh, we had um, a very, very long discussion of it. And uh, we had some, I don't know really what the issue was, but some some problems with the audio files. Um, so that episode is, has been pretty much scrapped. Um, I mean, it is scrapped. I mean, we essentially don't have... Uh, we will essentially only have my audio. Yeah, we um, can release Brandon talking about it. But, um... <laughs> and I think I did. I think I did most of the talking, but it's not gonna. It's you don't want to hear me. You don't hear me like that. <laughs> um, so hopefully, you know, um, down the line. Um, I know Omar, who is our guest there, he wants to talk about um, this movie, Blue Collar, uh, directed by Paul Schrader, um, at some point. So. We'll talk about that uh, a little bit more off record, but um, you know, coming down the line, hopefully we have a a, a, a redo of our come and see episode. Um, yeah, I was gonna say, are we gonna? Um, hopefully, the, hopefully down the <laughs> hopefully down the line. I am not I I am not jumping at the opportunity to watch come and see again uh, and talk about yeah. it like the, talk about it the way that we did. Then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I just don't, I don't think I can handle that emotionally. No. Um, but, you know, come and see as uh, just a, a very just um, incredible experience um, that I hope we get a chance to talk about again. Like I, like I, I said this on, on the episode, I would, I would advise no one to watch that movie, but at the same time, it is, it is essential. Uh, it is kind of essential viewing. Um, but anyway, this has been a, another episode of Losing Track. Um, thanks for listening. Bye. Catch you next time. Bye. Bye.